This episode of the Research VR podcast is brought to you by Haptex. Haptex gloves are an industrial-grade tool designed for professional VR applications. Leading automakers in Asia, Europe, and North America are using Haptex gloves to design their new vehicles. By using VR and Haptex, they're reducing their need for physical prototypes, saving them significant time and money. If you work for a business that would benefit from Haptex gloves, get in touch with Haptex by emailing them at partners at haptics.com. That's partners at haptx.com. And be sure to mention the Research VR podcast. We're excited to have Haptics as our first ever sponsor on this show because we know the need for haptic feedback in VR. I mean, that's like such a huge problem that we've talked about for years. And Haptics really has been one of the best implementations of a solution for haptic feedback in VR. They're looking for businesses and developers with ideas. So if you have some, feel free to contact them and let them know that you're there because of this show. Also, I should mention we did an episode with their founder not too long ago. If you go back a few episodes, you'll hear it. So on to the show. And welcome back to the Research VR Podcast, everyone, the podcast behind the science and design of virtual reality. Today, we have a special guest, Tom Emmerich, a partner at Super Ventures, who's here to talk about all things about augmented reality and uh, just spatial computing in general. Uh, Tom, you've been a recurring character on this podcast before, I think once or twice, probably, I think last time was like a year or two ago. Yeah. We were talking about AirPods. That was the hot new thing. We should actually, we should talk about AirPods again, because I think... We will be. We will be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here in this month is because this, uh, a few weeks ago, you wrote a really awesome, I think, overview of augmented reality in 2019. So it's a medium blog that you wrote called 19419, Augmented Reality Trends and How They May Play Out This Year. So mm-hmm. I think you're in a really good position being at Super Ventures who, do you guys exclusively invest in augmented reality? That's right. Yeah, you do. we started three years ago. So it's been our focus for a while. Although um, myself, I've been in augmented reality starting as far back as 2009. Uh, oh. So it's been, uh, it's been a beat. Interesting. <laughs> what drew you to augmented reality in 2009? Well, actually, back then I was in Canada, which is where I'm from, and I was working as a product manager for emerging technologies in a publication uh, company, so magazines, newspapers, um, and they were desperately trying to figure out ways to save paper. Uh, you know, my my role title actually had um, the words e-reader in it. I was product manager for e-reader and tablets, if you can imagine. Wow. That's as far back as I go <laughs> and even further, really. Um, and so augmented reality was um, being explored at that time. There were a number of agencies that were creating augmented reality solutions. Um, you know, QR codes were in use, applications were in need. Um, it was like the time of Layer, Blipper, you know, Yelp, Monocle. Uh, so for all intents and purposes, it was uh, one of the uh, first waves of augmented reality trying to hit the consumer space. Yeah, I remember Google Lens uh, kind of making an appearance at that point, too, right on on early Android phones. Um, yeah, that it used fun. to be called goggles. It was Google goggles back then. That's yes. right. Yeah, it's so, funny how that's better name now, Google. Way to go. That's <laughs> lens is way better. <laughs> exactly. But no, I think just that I remember seeing the first video or GIF of like being able to point your 
uh, phone at the London, you know, the, the London Eye, and it just tells you where it, where it is. And I remember being so impressed by that. But today, I mean, it's been, I guess, 10 years since then, and there's yep. been a lot of developments and a lot more momentum in this world. So I think what would be really nice is, even though our audience is mostly um, like academics, developers, and researchers in this field, of VR, I don't know if they, if everyone understands the full extent of where AR really is, and this also doesn't just include visual AR. I mean, this also should include auditory-based systems. So, um, you talked about things here that I hadn't even thought about. So, I thought this would be a really good way. So, I guess um, we can kind of start from the the first thing you had okay. you had in your article. Saying bye bye XR hello hello spatial computing so oh, yes talk about terminology yay <laughs> oh everybody's favorite this is, subject <laughs> this is my one of my least favorite things because as soon as you start talking about like lexicon and terminology people bring out Venn diagrams yes. <laughs> with a big pointy stick so um, I, let let me just say with this um my uh, medium blog post was to point out trends and hmm. so I started off with this trend on terminology because I have continued to keep up with the conversation around lexicon. Um, I actually kind of don't care, to be honest. Like I, uh, I think AR, VR, augmented reality, virtual reality serves us just fine. Um, and I think in the consumer space, they become acclimated to augmented reality or AR and virtual reality, certainly right. virtual reality, VR. Um, although I keep saying, you know, just like Bastion from The NeverEnding Story, you know, the consumers will give us our real name. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's like what they'll be doing. And it will probably be tied to a device. And right. so when we talk about terminology, I'm really talking about the the inner circle terminology, how we as an industry are describing ourselves. And, you know, back in 2018, I think, as I said in my blog post, out of you know, frustration, out of confusion, or maybe just like laziness, um, we wanted to get rid of this AR, VR, MR, um, you know, soup that we caught ourselves in. And we adopted this term XR. And still to this day, and I, I'd love to hear your opinion, like, what does XR stand for? What does the X in XR stand right. for, I for you? X doesn't stand for anything. That's, that's okay. always been the part that I also, um, the detail that I didn't like because XR is a very like inside baseball term. Like the yeah. only people <laughs> that use XR are just people in the industry that are talking to each other, which you already know you're talking about whatever industry, you know, that we're both in. Yeah. And if a, at any point you refer XR to someone outside of this industry, it's like, there's like, they ask, obviously, what is that? Then you have to kind of backtrack. You're like, well, X doesn't stand for anything. It's also AR and VR. So I think it, even though like abbreviations are supposed to make things easier, yeah. XR never made it easier. Yeah, that's true. Um, and spatial computing, I've always been a bigger fan of. Uh, I've We've been using it on this podcast for years just because that was the selling point to me with VR is, is be, the ability of using your hands. Um, so that I, encompasses I, it. I definitely agree. And, and look, like when I was in an interview, uh, it was a news interview for uh, the mainstream and they put the microphone in my face and they said, tell me, what is this new technology XR and and how is it different from AR, VR and MR? Uh. And I was like, we're screwed, like we're just screwed. And so, you know, I, I, I think the best out from XR is really the fact, as I said, that Apple has basically robbed us of those two letters. <laughs> right. um, launching the iPhone XR has nothing to do, at least right now, with um, augmented <laughs> reality and virtual reality. 
I, I, I have captured in my blog post this trend, as I mentioned, of the bubbling up of the use of spatial computing. Hmm. I think, um, just as you mentioned, I think uh, folks are starting to gravitate towards that. Why? Because it has immediate context, right? Space, spatial computing. Also, one thing that um, I've been also having conversations with people, especially brands about, is this baby step that we we tend to have perhaps forgotten in this evolution from 2D to 3D, uh, in that you know we are jumping from 2D direct to VR and AR, but um, actually uh, adopting and using just 3D on with web, like mm. 2D web and 3D on mobile, I mean 2D mobile, is actually very useful. And I'm starting to hear a lot of brands and agencies be quite excited about the use of just 3D, and I don't mm. mean AR or VR. And spatial computing encompasses 3D, AR, VR, and that is actually really exciting to me. Um, so that's kind of why I said bye-bye XR, hello spatial computing. Sure. As in 3D also can be used for like Sketchfab, you know, links and items where if it's a, uh, a, a brand or a product that's trying to use 3D, they can actually put up a 3D model of their uh, of their product in an article or in a video. I don't know. But exactly. Is, is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 3D walkthroughs, um, 3D, mm. uh, 3D rotational products on Shopify. Like there's still this step in between. And I'm not saying it's necessary, but it's it's a really great, um, uh, you know, interim um, uh, step that will help brands uh, ramp up their inventory of 3D, uh, which is going to be necessary for AR and VR. Let's be honest, it's one of the critical ingredients. And so I think spatial computing can encompass that. And again, it, I think it just means a little bit more. But, you know, uh, 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 AR, VR is just fine. Yeah, I mean, for, for most for <laughs> most cases, I guess. It's totally fine. Uh, but it, it's definitely an interesting problem. Like it's a um, I think I, I forget the good terminology for it, but it's a type of problem where you can't unsee it. It's like you can't unlearn something. So mm -hmm. it's hard to put yourself in a, in a mind of someone that doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, and come up with a term that does make it easier. And and I have this problem a lot with photogrammetry, like try to explain, you know, at, at a family fa at a family gathering what you do with photogrammetry. So. Well, and I mean, like, I don't want to mean to muddy the waters, but I actually think spatial computing is quite limited if you mm. think about what we're doing. Like, basically, we're, we're humanizing computers um, and we're comp uh, computerizing humans, right? And so for me, perceptual computing, it makes a lot more sense mm. in that we're, we're digitizing the senses first, which is what we're doing right now. The next is digitizing emotions. Then it's digitizing thoughts. And then finally, we may or may not be able to digitize consciousness. And so we're literally just peeling back the layers of our humanity, um, essentially creating that cyborg, you know, that all sci-fi movies have us, um, you know, ending up. Mm. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm not so tied to AR, VR, or spatial computing, because um, I kind of think that they're they're all limited terms, um, and they'll 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 run they'll run their course. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And and at the end of the day, you know the the Kleenex will be called Kleenex. Yes, exactly. Kleenex. Exactly. Um, and I mean, to that point, people don't say, "Hey, let me video chat you." They say, "Let me FaceTime you." Right. <laughs> exactly. So right. <laughs> it makes but, you uh, but 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 people in the mainstream do consumers they do use the word smartphone. Mm. Right. 
they do use the word smartphone, um, but they're probably more apt to say iPhone. Like the process will be like, hey, is that an iPhone? They're like, no, it's an Android, right? Oh, okay, I didn't know what smartphone you had. Maybe mm. smartphone's like like level three of the, the the terminology choice. So I think you're right. Like whatever this, whatever the device is, um, uh, in, especially on the HMD side, it's going to set the tone. But, you know, as you pointed out, augmented reality has a myriad of different platforms in play. And right now, augmented reality is on mobile. And so it needs a term because it's a feature, right? So right now it's a feature of an existing platform. And, mm. and you know, with Apple pushing very hard augmented reality, I think that's probably the term that's going to stick for a while in the, in the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I can see them... I don't know, introducing some really clever terms uh, when they're actually rolling out, you know, advancements in, in their AR platform, whether it's a it's a hardware or something like a FaceTime where, you know, mm -hmm. they call it something very nicely worded, branded right. thing. But I guess uh, let's let's talk about this, uh, this idea of like of augmented reality that goes beyond visual senses. Uh, we, we've talked about this a little bit before. Uh, I think we even talked about emotion tracking back in one of our earlier we episodes. Did. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, I now have an Apple watch and I think it, I'm getting a better sense of like what, how Apple can introduce this into their ecosystem. And perhaps this is AR will be the, um, the intersection of like the quantified self, you know, devices and, and, and the things that you wear on your body combined with now the really flushed out like internet of things and, you know, Alexa or HomeKit. Right, enabled right, right. devices so i think right. ar will be coming in at a perfect point there but i guess let's let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i really want to ask you about north by the way the the, sure. the the north glasses uh yeah let's let's start there and, and and by the way they just announced uh yesterday that they are shipping their focals glasses to their first set of customers there's a big 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 milestone for north formerly thalmic labs from canada which is where i'm from they're actually from my hometown kitchener Ooh. waterloo which is if you recall it's the headquarters for research in motion or rim uh, blackberry mm. right so kind of like fun facts there yeah that's really interesting <laughs> so give us a little introduction about north or or the uh the company that they were before and what why people are interested in their glasses now well listen uh the industry is chomping at the bit to get technology on our face. I call it face tech, but it won't stick. Mm. So don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, Google, Google tried with Google Glass, um, you know, Vuzix, Blade and Real, Realmax, Rocket, all were companies at CES that promised to have consumer glasses this year. Uh, and so uh, I definitely see this as a major trend. And the company that has a fighting chance to do this sooner rather than later is North with their focals because they are ready, because they have devices that are shipping, according mm. to them yesterday, because they have retail uh, where they're educating and selling these uh, uh, glasses to, to the masses. And they are not focused on enterprise. They are 100% focused on uh, the consumer space. They're like a Warby Parker, connected Warby right. Parker is uh, what I see them as. Uh, I call them connected eyewear because technically speaking, um, they don't have any um, sensors on the glasses. There's no camera, right? So the computer uh, has no senses, therefore not, not truly AR in my opinion. 
That being said, they are definitely a heads up display uh, where you're able to access information at eye level. Uh, and so you can do things like uh, see that your Uber is here or get step by step directions uh, via Google Maps or see that you have a text message. And I think the most important and critical component of North's focals, which is what they call their glasses, is the Alexa integration. And mm. Amazon is an, an investor. Intel is an investor in North. Um, and I love this idea of being able to pull up information, not not being pushed information, but pull up. That's very mm -hmm. different. And I think that agency is very key with uh, this pair of glasses. And so when you're walking around and you say to Alexa, like, Alexa, you know, uh, what's the weather going to be in three hours? You know, and and um, it brings up the information at eye level along with audio, uh, which the the device supports. I think it's going to be quite useful. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a Facebook portal at home. Um, I'm yes. sure that's a whole other podcast to talk about why I do have it in my house. But I love it. And you know why? Is because when you ask um, Alexa for information, she tells you something, but also she shows you something. And it's that combination of show mm -hmm. and tell that has actually elevated my complete experience with uh, that digital assistant. You know, that's there's even a term for that. It's called the dual mode hypothesis. Nice. <laughs> and it says that you can remember things better if you're presented both the visual and the auditory. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So I see North as the continual evolution of the digital assistant. So it's it's it houses the digital assistant. And I think that's the, the magical ingredient for focals. Hmm. And, you know, I love that North has put a, a, a specific focus on fashion. Arguably, these are the most fashionable glasses we've seen yet. Um, that being said, I think as an industry, you know, we got burned with Google Glass because it looked like, you know, too futuristic. It didn't look at all like fashion. And so I think the we, we kind of swung the pendulum on the, the other side too far. I feel mm. like a lot of the glass makers uh, feel as if we make them fashionable, they will come. You know what I mean? Like if we make them look good, they're going to sell. And that's kind of like spectacles looks good. You know, focus looks good. But at the end of the day, yes, it, it'll help get that device on the face. But the function, the value is where it will allow for the retention and the recurring use of those glasses. Because at the end of the day, you have to charge them. That's kind of where right. things fall down. If you have to charge your glasses every day, then the value of those glasses need to be strong. And look, like nobody wants to wear glasses. You know, uh, sometimes you do sunglasses look cool. Sometimes you like wearing glasses. It gives mm -hmm. you a different look. But who likes to wake up every morning and put glasses on? I certainly don't, but I do it because I can't see. So it legitimately mm -hmm. helps me see. So that's the that is the determining factor. Do these glasses help you see better? Meaning, do they help you see things like information that is so valuable that you can't see yourself not putting these glasses on? And I think the jury's out on that. Yeah, I think even for VR, one of the interesting propositions is with very focal displays is the fact that you might not be able to need glasses to, you know, to do your computing because you could actually adjust the optics to to match your, you know, your inferior eyes. Right. <laughs> Just joking. Yeah. I um, that. But I mean, that is think about how prominent of a thing it is throughout the human population to to wear some sort of eye corrective device. Um, I think AR and VR do fit into that. And, and if that's already, um, that's, that's something that people are sold on that they have to wear glasses anyway. Mm. Um, there is, there's so much added benefit that comes to it. So I guess, would you describe this kind of this early form of, uh, face tech as like, as a continuation of a watch from, from a watch to your face, 
but they both kind of uh, live in that same world where like the battery lasts for let's say one day and there's a there's a charging mechanism to it mm -hmm. um it's kind of context aware because it's connected to your phone and because your phone has gps um and it ha you know it, it houses most of the computing uh, but I mean, I, I wouldn't discount it as not AR. Like I don't, you know, there, we've had people on this podcast, like namely, um, Ben from road to VR and, and he, he's under the impression that if glasses don't have any form of like slam, you know, positional tracking in the room, then it's not augmented reality. And I don't know if I would go as far as to say that if, if, if it's useful actually, because you can see exactly where your Uber is in your eye and you can, you know where to go. I think that itself is is a way of augmenting your perception on that note i had a very interesting conversation on twitter um about you know the definition of augmented reality because uh somebody had indicated that bose uh, ar sunglasses was not augmented reality because it's only uh, audio based because sure. it's au only audio based so I think we're really going to be able to split hairs in this conversation between the two of us and as an industry um because uh, I argued that because uh, Bose had sensors on board uh, that could allow for the computer to sense where you are in space and use that information to deliver contextual information, that was an augmented experience. Right. Um, so I, I personally, and I may be wrong, I draw the line at the need for the computer to have sensors. Computers that have senses and computers that can hack our senses, that's augmented reality to me. Um, but I definitely get what you mean because, um, you know, glasses, like not even North, but just glasses that give me 2020 vision, arguably sure. are yeah. augmented reality. Um, you know, prosthetics, um, uh, canes, pacemakers, like, you know, even, but then even a telescope yeah. or binoculars, like yeah. I, I argue that like that's virtual reality. It's like, sure. <laughs> but, but, but we, we do have to draw the line, um, somewhere. Otherwise I, I can see that it becomes a slippery slope. So. Be that that aside, I do get what you mean about it. it you know, is this is this just like a watch? Um, you know, does it suffer from the same uh, you know challenges as an as an as an Apple Watch? The answer is yes, it does. Mm. Um, and I think it's because contextual computing is not yet there. You know what I mean? Um, like the AR cloud for all intents and purposes, like the ability for the computer to really understand your environment and be really helpful. Um, I think is needed for these glasses to really sing. And I'm sure everybody would agree with that. And and again, like we're not we, we shouldn't we shouldn't just talk about the next wave of computing and microcosms. The next wave of computing is not AR. It's not VR. It's not AI. It's not CV. It's not IoT. It's everything combined. Right. And so this digital assistant that is in a speaker in our home or that's on our phone as Siri and now that's in a pair of glasses it's going to need access to like the AR cloud, you know, in order to understand the world around it um, and then have the necessary sensors on you to understand where you are in that space. And therefore, it can start be a very, very helpful to you. And so we're just seeing the early stages of that right now with with North, um, especially um, Bose AR. Um, these are these are just like I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it's like. The, the first generation iPhone, certainly. I, no, I no, would no. I would say it's like the Palm Pilot almost yeah. still. I wouldn't even say it's the Blackberry Pearl yet, you know? Because like, it's not the business, <laughs> yeah. like everyone in business has one. It's not that. Exactly. I, exactly. I completely agree. These are uh, testing the waters and trying to understand what, what is working. Yes, yes. Um, and these companies, like 
just imagine the wealth of information that North is gathering on the retail experience alone. Like how, how do you sell this? How do you fit this? How do you ship it? What are the questions that people have? How, how fearful are they? How mm. accepting are they? Um, what's working? What's not? Like I can't, I can't even mm. imagine the wealth of data that's going to empower them to have better second and third and fourth generation glasses. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so that see, this is a as a stepping stone, but I do hope that we start seeing glasses on people's faces that are connected because we need to somehow, you know, um, break through and and create a whole new paradigm for for folks. So there yeah. are, there will there'll be early adopters, I think for sure. I I can't wait to rock mine down the street for sure. Can't wait to see the selfies of you yeah. rocking them down the street. Oh my god, <laughs> selfie king over here. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm actually very, as much as I love VR and head-mounted displays, I'm very self-conscious about wearing, putting on like an HMD out in public and to the point that like, even though I am a drone cinematographer, I bought a pair of drone goggles, uh, the big ones, the DJI ones that, and then I sold because I just felt like, ah, man, it's so much having like a fat thing in front of me in public. So I'm definitely interested in head-mounted displays in, in public and, and, like more of more to understand how how cultures interact with it and how it's going to be integrated and and you could see such interesting things how, uh, how smartphones have like been adopted into cultures and how different cultures use them mm -hmm. and what's deemed acceptable or not i think that's probably one of the more least uh developed parts of augmented reality that i haven't seen people either think about or talk about or try maybe because it's it's still so early um, you did mention the AR cloud that I wanted to co comment on. Yeah, I mean, I guess those pipes, that infrastructure is also not there yet to have, like, even let's say we have the perfect um, sensing augmented reality device, like the, the infrastructure itself has not, is not even developed. Yeah. Um, and it's, and, and obviously it's being worked on right now by people like the, what is it, Eighth Wall, Ubiquiti 6, some of these. Um, 60, yeah. 60. Google. Um, Blue Blue Vision Labs that got bought by Lyft. Um, there's a number of folks that are working on this. Can you maybe give us some um, kind of give us some context about that as well and, and describe? Um, and we're kind of veering away from your article, but we'll we'll come back to this. And I, I want to ask you about Facebook yeah. Portal, but um, yeah, maybe can you describe like what you mean by the AR cloud and what what are the differentiating factors between these companies? Yeah, I mean, um, well, right now a lot of the AR cloud companies are trying to uh, solve for uh, a couple of specific problems, like allowing augmented reality to be less lonely um, by activating multiplayer capabilities, mm -hmm. uh, by uh, allowing augmented reality to feel more real um, through um, occlusion and, and unlocking the inclusion feature, um, allowing augmented objects to um, stay within spaces so that you can return and access them through persistence. Um, and um, essentially, the, the, the common foundation in, in allowing for all of these features to be activated is in, um, is in uh, scanning and, and recognizing the space, um, basically a, a allowing computers to be able to see the world like we see it and remember the world like, like better than what we can remember, let's be honest. Um, and so it, it's very akin to like LiDAR systems in a way mm -hmm. from, on autonomous uh, vehicles, you know, and, and different uh, companies are, are scanning and, and recognizing the world in utilizing different um, technology. Some are uh, creating solutions that 
uh, can en enable your RGB camera on a regular phone, not even a depth sensing phone, uh, to be able to scan the world and, and get enough uh, uh, get enough of the mesh, enough of the information uh, to make it usable for a developer to create an experience that's multiplayer persistent and has occlusion. Others are using depth cameras. Others are using satellite systems. And so, you know, there are different flavors of, of the AR cloud companies that are out there today. But this is just one part of the AR cloud. Um, you know, AR cloud definitely isn't about, is about indexing the world, right? It's about making sense of the world three, in a 3D form of mm. which um, developers can then build upon it. But as I mentioned, like it also can inform a computer um, um, uh, to allow for contextual information uh, to be gleaned. Uh, it could also be used uh, for you know businesses to be able to um, uh, access some big data, right? So it's it's not really just for augmented reality in my in my opinion. Once you scan the world and you're able to keep that scan of the world active, um, you're you're going to be able to use that data uh, for a number of different purposes. Um, and so the augmented uh, reality cloud, the AR cloud, is really indexing the world um, uh, at, at its most fundamental level to allow for um, that world to be utilized in spatial computing. That's that's how I would define it for now. The importance of it is almost like the browser was to yeah. the web, right? Or, or even search search engines were. It's you have all these things in AR, but that live in their own silos. Uh, you need something to index them and to make them accessible. Um, and that's why I guess there are so many different companies with so many different approaches. Uh, and the first the first company that's doing it probably will not be the or is not necessarily the one that's going to succeed. But just like Google was like, I think, the 38th or 35th search engine. Right. Um, so it makes sense that there's so many different iterations on it. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, you know, Matt Meisnick, who's the founder of 60, uh, brilliant guy um, that is uh, leading the charge in the air, the creation of the AR cloud. Um, you know, we had a great conversation at one of our uh, meetups in the Bay Area. Um, and I, I think um, I, I don't remember exactly how to quote him uh, per se, but um, he just alluded to the fact that the AR cloud is is much bigger than even just like a browser, right? It's more like the operating system. It's a complete stack. They, that infrastructure, I think, is really key, that word that you used. The mm -hmm. infrastructure, and I don't mean the pipes, like I don't mean 5G, but um, but everything that your smartphone requires for it to be useful, you know, um, uh, you know iOS, um, mm -hmm. we, we need that for um, uh, augmented reality. Uh, to 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 work, you know, at scale. And so uh, for me, that's the AR cloud. That's that bucket that needs to be uh, really focused on. Uh, and you're right, like if even if the HoloLens was ready today um, and it was miniaturized um, and we were able to use it outside in different lighting conditions and the battery lasted for a month, right. um, you know, that infrastructure um, of which um, uh, is is being looked at as the AR cloud, it's just not fully there for it to be uh, completely useful. Um, and, you know, scanning the world is going to take a long time, right? And the world is changing on a constant basis. So, yeah, it's um, a moving goalpost. Uh, exactly. And so it, it's, um, but so is the, the internet's also con continually changing. So we were able to, to, you know, prove out that we were able to index uh, a moving target on the 2D uh, web. Um, so I feel confident that we'll be able to crack that nut in the 3D world. Uh, and the benefit is that the, the places that we really need mapped a very uh, like on a continual basis 
are the most populated places, which there's a lot of people with a lot of cameras and sensors. So I think the the need and the like the demand and the supply kind of are 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 matched, right? And the most rural areas or the, the least populated areas, um, we you don't need to have um, continually being mapped. But. Right. And, and, and also like, just to, uh, just to un un unravel some of the layers there, it's like, um, just scanning the world and creating a mesh of which to put something in is, is like a first step, right? And then right. you need to have semantic spatial understanding. Like, is that a, is that a person or is that a tree? And then, and then you keep going down and what type of tree is it? And, you know, what, what are the physics related to that tree? You know, um, essentially whatever, whatever would be needed to create the most ultimate game, right. <laughs> In a way. Um, and, and so, uh, these are all these, these are all the, the points that need to be considered. And then, you know, on top of it, um, the different lighting conditions and, um, the different weather conditions, right. So all of these things need to be taken into account um, in order for uh, for the, the one use case that that I gave, which is to make um, augmented reality feel more real. If you really want Pikachu to feel as though he's in the world with you, then then that Pikachu needs to understand if it's raining and what direction that rain is and then where the shadow of the clouds are and what objects are around it so that it can calculate how that Pikachu would interact with the tree and that squirrel, you know, down the way in the blades of grass, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, as I said, like um, we're digitizing senses right now. And um, I think we're, we're actually finding out how complex we as humans are in trying to replicate that in computer form. Mm. I think what, what do you think is the Trojan horse to, I mean, the, right, it, AR opens up such a huge list of things that you could do with it, but uh, typically throwing a list of like use cases at a consumer doesn't really sell right. them on something. There's typically like one very big one or, or a few major ones. Um, if it doesn't exist yet, but what do you think is the selling point? Or perhaps we can compare it to like how the watch, how watches were sold and or tablets were sold. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, I what? think it's navigation. I think it's going to be mm -hmm. navigation. I think people don't like being lost and we value our time and especially indoor navigation. How many times have you walked in a mall or you went to CES or you're at an airport uh, and you just you 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 find it difficult trying to figure out what that, you know, pulsating dot and the vague arrow means. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in indoor spaces, there is really no, you know, indoor navigation. It's kind of a black hole, right? And so I think I think navigation is going to prove itself to be a killer app for consumers. Mm. If you're looking for more of a productivity application, right? Um, I, I'm still trying to scratch my head how email or text messaging is going to propagate within augmented reality. To be quite honest, um, because you know, email and text messaging is very akin to the analog, you know, kind of like writing with a pen and paper. So it wasn't actually that much of a, a revolution. It's a revolution in that we can send letters in, in like a matter of seconds, but there's still letters for all intents and purposes. Sure. So how do you make a letter in 3D? Like, I think I'd have to like, you know, do a very long week meditation to figure out what that would <laughs> look like. But outside of um, the navigation, you know, we are storytellers. Like that is what we are. Humans are storytellers. And I definitely see, and I talk about that in, in my 19 for 19, that the democratization of special effects is also a killer app and we shouldn't dismiss it. Mm. And it's already happened. Snapchat has already proved it out with face filters. 
the face filters are getting better. We're going to go and be able to, you know, augment our body through, um, you know, body segmentation and again, the recogni recognition of the body and being able to overlay digital um, components to that. And I really love watching what's happening uh, with folks like you, right, that that are really great with like VFX, CGI, you know, photogrammetry, like all, uh, these um, these really hard to master skills, which you've been able to master. The average individual just doesn't have the capability to do so. So if we're able to democratize VFX, democratize CGI, and then allow for our everyday Instagram stories to be magical Pixar moments. That's a killer app. Like that really is a killer app. And that's starting to happen now. You can really see the seeds of that. It's almost, um, it, they're almost two different things, right? Like one type of air, which a lot of industry people are really interested about is like, how do, how do you feed data to you? Like, how do you contextualize the world? All that. And then the other side is like, how you, how can you make the posts that you're posting better or yeah. <laughs> stand out? Like it's like such a different world, but yeah. Um, but that is really where things are are picking up steam and and getting so much better. I I guess that's also where like we can tie in with Facebook portal. Um, so you're you're pretty open about like having a Facebook portal. <laughs> it's not like a, it's a terrible <laughs> thing. It's like you're coming out saying you have a Facebook portal in your house, but but it almost is right. Like and yeah. and I don't think Facebook was ignoring that fact when they were releasing this. I don't think they were expecting a portal to be any sort of a, a major seller. Do you think they're testing the waters about how people feel with Facebook being in the house with cameras? Yes, I definitely do. Um, hmm. You know, I got a Facebook portal because uh, I wanted to check out new technology. The first real hardware, well, the first hardware from Facebook um, it, itself outside of Oculus, which, you know, it purchased. Um, and, uh, when I got it and I unboxed it, number one, I was actually really impressed with how upfront they were with privacy. So Facebook portal mm. comes with a cover. It literally comes right. with a cover that you can put on top of the camera and it has a button at the top that mutes the camera and the microphone. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of respected that they, as soon as I opened the box, they, they, they covered um, or at least tried to address any privacy concerns. Mm. Um, but what really um, was what really surprised me, I guess, was how exciting it was to um, have a device um, that has a camera that allows you to do video chat without you having to hold a phone or a tablet in your hands and mm. follows you so that you look perfect in every single um, frame. And mm. it, it, it really made me enjoy video chat where I don't enjoy video chat. It really made it seem as if that person was in the room with me. Um, and so I was impressed by that. And then I was even more impressed that they had incorporated their camera effects, right. which allows you to, um, you know, not look at you. You can look at you as a, you know, whatever it is, like a unicorn or wolf or you know, spewing rainbow guy. And I think that kind of takes away one of the issues with video chat, which is you having to look at you like it's like a constant mirror. Right. And being being aware that someone's looking at you in a time where we're usually texting and we're kind of anonymous in some ways. And so I think these spe these special effects, these camera effects really help that. Uh, but the biggest, biggest um, selling feature, because I went a little bit further than just getting it for myself, by the way. I will own up that I bought my entire family a wow. Facebook portal. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of mail, I know for sure. But um, my nieces and nephew love the Facebook portal story time. 
And if you're not familiar with story time, you basically choose a story and like the three little pigs and uh, one person reads it and the others listen. but they all become characters using augmented reality. And so, for example, I become the wolf, um, the kids become the pigs, and all of these fun little, you know, uh, digital objects and and characters appear timed with the story. And I think this is just the start of things like that. Um, And ultimately, you know, we need a camera in the house in order for us to to really benefit from the... uh, let me put it this way. We need a camera in the house in order to allow for that digital assistant to be smarter. Right. Um, and a camera in the house could potentially mean that that house could be scanned. Therefore, right. you know, you could create an AR cloud of your house, right? Sure. Uh, you can create a mesh of your house and then a Facebook AR glasses could benefit from that, right? Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of like having a camera in my house, mm. but there are some, I guess I wouldn't even use the word privacy because I, I believe privacy itself has changed and evolved, but there, there's some safety concerns. I think that's a better word. Um, Fair enough. I think with um, like, there's nef- with safety, there's like nefarious actors that you need yeah. to be aware of. And like, even if the company themselves are not selling the data, the way, the way you think, you know, we're all scaremonger to think, but like um, the leaks and hacks are like at this point ubiquitous and no company is, is uh safe enough from them so i think you have to we have to think ahead in that sense but when it comes to privacy and how not private we actually are just look at how many how many rooms houses have kindles and google homes in them now Mm -hmm. like and like i don't know what the demographics are but a lot of them are older people that have no care or understanding of technology and they're totally okay with having an always on microphone or maybe not always on but to a certain extent always on microphone in the house so i mean going that far with with a camera being in the room is not that stretch of an imagination especially now that we have microphones in the room. It is true. Like we do owe everybody um, as a tech industry, we have the responsibility of making them feel safe. And I think we failed on that. We need to figure out how to make people feel safe again. But I do feel as though uh, the consumer is okay with trading data for convenience and access to solutions that really enhance their life. So I think there's a difference in conversation. One thing that also really excites me about Facebook portal in having a camera and a screen is that, again, the computer can see you and then you can see, you know, hopefully a virtual character, like a virtual human or a virtual being. A lot of talk about that yesterday um, with Fable and the virtual being conference launched. So uh, I, I really feel as though, you know, eventually. Um, Alexa or Portal, um, whichever, you know, assistant is used in that device. That's also very confusing. Um, It's going to be embodied. We're going to be able to select the character that we want to speak to. Um, And so in that way, then, um, you know, Alexa, the embodied Alexa will react to you. Why? Because she can hear you and she can see you. Right. Mm. Um, And so that camera is necessary for uh, that virtual being or that digital assistant again to be able to be more useful to you. Oh, you're looking frustrated. You're looking happy. You're looking sad, perplexed. Um, This information is necessary for it to feel more human. Um, And I think that's like the direction we're going with our computing. Yeah, with I mean, how we interact with other humans in real life is all about being able to to see 
where the other person's looking and be to be able to point to specific things and refer to them. And with current assistance, obviously, like you have to be very explicit with what you're talking about. Um, cameras, I mean, that's what one of the one of the multitude of reasons why cameras would make that better. And I 100% agree that these assistants will be personified in a mm. in a visual sense at some point or another. Um, I, I, there's no reason why they won't be. And this is a big step towards it. Okay, let's. Let's transition to cars, actually, because you have uh, one of your points in your articles about kind of AR plays an important role in evolution of auto and car makers wanting to show. So maybe this also is part of navigation, but I think cars suddenly like this is a new, completely new field of cars and transportation and how that's changing. Um, And perhaps because the cost of cars also is so high, you can probably also... um, you know, you can go, you you can say that you can have a very expensive windshield with AR enabled features um, right. to, to to cover the cost of that. How, I guess, Wayray, is, is, is that the main company that's really in this field doing things? Yeah, Wayray is one of the solution providers that have technology that enable a windshield or any window, really, um, the passenger window, hotel windows, uh, to be a heads-up display, to provide information. Uh, although their system goes beyond that, they also have cameras that detect what's around um, the car, for example, and feed that information um, into the display so that the information um, is relevant and feels more real, again, because they're, they're, they're allowing for their navigation to be, uh, for all intents and purposes, over overlapped or, or look like it's being um, uh, taped to the road, you know? Uh, right. And so, um, and so they're definitely a company to watch. They raised 80 million, I think, dollars from, you know, Porsche and others um, in their latest round. And they were at the Consumer Electronics Show and their technology is, is definitely really exciting. Um, and I believe it's coming out soon um, via um, a Hyundai car mm. uh, that was on the floor. Although I'll have to look that up, but does it um, this, do- no, go ahead. doing any sort of like head tracking sorry, so that when you I'm move not your... sure about that. Oh, sorry. That's my Alexa. No worries. <laughs> uh, speaking. Um, does it, I mean, is, is it actually placing the yellow brick road on the road itself so yes. that when you're yes, moving your head? Doing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it is placing it on there. Um, and so that's kind of what's different from, uh, for Wayray Ray compared to like a NavD, right? NavD, which was like an aftermarket um, mm. screen that you could just put on top of your windshield um, also showed like a heads up display uh, where you could see the navigation and you saw an arrow, but it's like a floating arrow. So right. it's kind of like, um, you know, Navdi is like Pokemon Go, uh, whereas, you know, the Wayray is is what we hope might be like the Wizards Unite where <laughs> right. or like the right. more advanced Pokemon Go, where it actually feels more like AR. But, you know, just having information on uh, on your windshield for navigation is just the I think the tip of the iceberg for AR and VR in vehicle. Uh, and at CES, what I definitely saw was that the car companies were showing us how all these new technologies are coming together in one ecosystem. Mm. And that was really, really exciting. And they're doing that because they realize that um, they're industry is being completely overhauled and disrupted with autonomous vehicles. Once the cars drive themselves, the driver is not buying those vehicles uh, for the same purpose. And so uh, this is where this focus on mobility, which means like, what do people do when they're just moving, right? Right. Is, Is kind of what we're seeing. And so having a car that becomes an entertainment device, having a car that becomes a productivity device that becomes 
um, you know, uh, a, a communication device. Um, these were some of the trends that we saw coming out of CES. Uh, anything from having like a virtual assistant, like a virtual human appear on the dashboard um, to having an experience where the car, because it has sensors within it, can uh, detect your emotion um, and maybe even try to change your emotion, like mm. try to make you more calm using olfactory, using haptics, using lighting. Um, these were all some of the you know unique, uh, innovative ideas that uh, real car manufacturers are exploring. But I think the the best one to look at right now is probably Nissan's invisible to visible technology. Um, mm. And and sorry, I should say not technology; it's concept uh, because it, it's not completely able to be rolled out. So it's their future look at how AR and VR may be used in car. Uh, anything from being able to allow for you in virtual reality to come sit with me in my car if I have a, a heads up display, an AR heads up display on to changing the window so that if it's rainy and foggy outside, I don't want to see that stuff. I want to see it sunny so I can actually change the outside world through my my windows, again, um, leveraging AR enabled tech, uh, window technology. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to see how they were uh, leveraging AR and VR in this way. Um, and so I would look to cars, look to cars, look to houses, the smart home, the smart car. Why? Because they're ecosystems, they're closed ecosystems, just like the enterprise, by the way, those three areas are most likely going to see uh, disruption happen a lot quicker. Um, airports, malls, all these closed ecosystems have the ability to change themselves, cruise ships um, and AR, VR, AI, CV. Um, emotion tech, these are all going to come together in really magical ways. Right. Because the amount of decisions, like it doesn't, you don't need to convince millions of consumers. You can, you need to convince like a few executives and yeah. suddenly the change yeah, can exactly. permeate throughout. Like look at Carnival Cruise, right? Carnival Cruise and their, uh, their ocean medallion uh, rollout was a really successful wearable technology rollout. And why were they able to do that? Because it's, their world is just that ship. That's all they have to worry about is that ship. Um, and, you know, and they actually just recently rolled out uh, avatars, virtual avatars that follow you around. You choose them when you go on the ship and every single digital screen that um, you go up to with your wearable shows your little mermaid or your little fish um, as your virtual best friend. And so uh, I think these are really exciting um, ecosystems to take a look at to help us understand what the world will look like potentially um, once it's all ready, once that infrastructure is there, you know, that air cloud. Yeah, that's that's very fascinating. I, I hadn't heard about this cruise ship. Um, I should mention actually Holoplay from uh, that's a spinoff company from Audi that mm. is combining VR headsets and self-driving cars to provide entertainment for kids. That is like GPS tracked, so the, the the road you're going on is going to be the road that is in the game, or you know the route that you're going on is is in the game. Um, and I think that's yeah, it opens up you know the question of like what do you do when you are just sitting in a Thing that's moving i guess the question also is like what do you do in a bust when you're that you're not driving you know mm -hmm. it's right now it's it's our phones and it's our music um and you can think of a, a more expensive <laughs> uh, solutions to that to those like boredom problems exactly things in cars yeah. and also the fact that you're with self-driving cars it makes less sense to even buy the car and you're kind of more subscribing to a service kind of like spotify and and these cars, you don't, you don't, you're not going to care about which car you're sitting into as long as that car is taking you from this point to that point. 
And obviously if the car, if you're using an app to get to that car, it already knows who you are and all the personalization, like what AI and what character you want to have with you and, and all that. So I think there's, there's, yeah, cars are going to be really awesome uh, industry to kind of like follow from, from this perspective. It is. And I think that the, one of the main reasons why the car manufacturers are so eager to nail the future of the car is because they don't want to be uh, relegated to just be the wheels and the engine right. and the outside parts. You know, they don't want to be just the chip inside. They, you know, they're right now they're front and center. Their brand is what you're buying. You buy the brand of mm. car and that brand of car is like, just like a fashion brand. It's, it's what you own. It's how you express yourself. You hit the nail on the head. Once you don't buy cars, once the cars just come to you, um, are those cars Starbucks cars, Best Buy cars? Are they Spotify cars? Where does Audi, where does Mercedes, where does BMW and Ford fit into that? Where does their brand go? And so I also see them leveraging um, augmented reality, virtual reality technologies to try to reinvent themselves. And I think Holoride is a really good example because um, they're, you know, this is an Audi's first spin out company. And this is really telling. I think we're going to see a lot more of these coming out of the car companies as they try to figure out who they will be in the, in the, you know, the nearer future. Yeah. You know, I also think, you know, those transparent displays that Samsung shows like every CES and the, the opaque, like uh, first it's a window, suddenly it's a TV. I think that technology would be so perfect for cars, uh, for self-driving cars, because, you know, why do you need to look outside at the dirty streets that you're on if right, you're, right, right. you're, if you can be uh, somewhere else? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Um, the, I guess the one other major piece that we, we haven't covered yet is uh, that you mentioned in your, in your article is kind of 5G and where this fits. Uh, we've, I, I haven't had a great grasp on it until I think I read this uh, blog post from Benedict Evans, who's an analyst at Andreessen Horowitz, talking about, you know, what is 5G or why, like, why does it matter? And he describes it as like, it's fatter pipes, like the, the, the pipes that you can, that you're pushing data through are fatter, faster, and lower latency. Um, and, and why that's not a satisfying answer is because it doesn't automatically create a use case that is very understandable, but he, he describes it as how so before we had 3g or 4g imagine trying to create a snapchat for when we had dial up on our computers yeah, right yeah, everyone yeah. would need a webcam everyone would need like the internet was not even you wouldn't be able be able to send video files that quickly or receive them that quickly so when you have 3g and 4g it suddenly made that possible because of the infrastructure that was in place similarly with 5g it's hard to really imagine what the use cases of it will be apart from thinking about things that don't exist currently that only will be able to exist because of much faster and bigger bandwidth. Um, I agree. I definitely yeah. agree. And, and, you know, just like we were talking about the AR cloud as a ne necessary part of that infrastructure as a necessary part of um, uh, the, the overall um, solution that we're, we're trying to create this next wave. 5G is a critical component to um, the future of AR and VR. AI, um, you know, in, in general, because of the bigger pipes, right? Exactly, because of the ability to pass uh, larger file sizes through quicker, uh, more speedier, um, reducing latency. Also, um, you know, just just thinking about like when you put that Pikachu again, I'm going to just bring that back because Pokemon Go is so big. But if you really want that Pikachu character or whatever that character about me, that augmented reality character or even object to look real, to feel real. Um, yes, the, the world needs to be 
indexed in order to do so. The computer needs to be able to recognize uh, the world that character is in, but also that the amount of data that needs to be streamed um, to, for shading, you know, for physics, uh, um, for surface estimation, you know what I mean? All of that, um, that's that's pretty intense, right? And that's mm. like, I'm just talking about one character. Imagine complete worlds, right? Mm. Imagine complete worlds that require this. Um, 5G is going to uh, hopefully unlock that realism, you know, that we need, uh, where you're looking at that cup and, you know, just like Helen Papagianis on Instagram playing real or AR, trying to always trick us. It's like, you're, you're going to look at that cup and you're going to be like, uh, I'm going to poke it because <laughs> I can't, is it real or is it, you know, augmented reality? Um, and so I've had some great conversations with carriers on um, how, uh, you know, 5G is really going to unlock that realism. Um, it's also going to allow just for um, many more augmented reality solutions uh, to, to, to be substantiated um, and, and, um, and not just face filters, but beyond, right? Um, beyond the face filters and, and the world lenses that are currently being designed for 4G, right? So we're designing for the limitations of that pipe. Right. And I think that's what, what um, uh, that article that you just referenced indicates is that um, we are, we're, we're limited by so many things. We're limited by sensors, by battery, you know, by, um, uh, you know, by, by our cultural, our, our cultural biases, uh, but we're also limited by this pipe. And so getting that pipe bigger is going to be a big, big deal. Yeah, fair enough. I think one of the last things I want to, I want to touch on here is, is since you're an investor is the investment side of AR and perhaps the, the health of the ecosystem. Um, some, some of my friends in the VR industry were quite scared about, you know, the, the fall of, Let's see, Blipar, Meta to a certain extent, Sleep Motion, um, and now ODG. But the the argument I was making to them is like, okay, these you know earlier AR companies are coming down, but for every company that has shut down in the last month or two, there's been three Chinese hardware startups that actually have yeah. come up <laughs> to kind of fill up the space, like Unreal and, and, and yeah. a few of these. Exactly. How how would you, yeah, I guess how would you describe the state of the health of the ecosystem and how investors are are, are they um, shying away from the industry or jumping in head head on and and we'll finish it up with kind of like yeah. advice to developers that are interested in this space. I think that investors continue to remain cautious in investing in augmented reality and virtual reality. And I still think that um, the relationship between augmented real reality and virtual reality impact one another. Um, you know, there was a huge influx of investment in virtual reality three years ago when we began. Um, and then, uh, you know, the uh, the investors eyes started uh, to focus on augmented reality when Pokemon Go woke everybody up. Um, but with virtual reality still finding its legs in some ways, I think um, that the the hype of augmented reality was dampered. And I think that was a good thing. Um, so, you know, um, and but I, I, I think that uh, going into 2019, uh, the investors will remain cautious in investing in augmented reality solutions, just like they were in 2018. Um, and so that means that if you're a startup um, that is developing uh, solutions with an augmented reality and you're looking for capital, um, you really need to make sure that you have a viable market opportunity um, that you're addressing and that you're able to show that you can realize revenue or traction, however that's measured, 
um, and uh, you're not able to just like um, leverage uh, augmented reality as a shiny ball to get right. money. Right. Um, but when it comes to like companies that are, uh, you know, that we're saying goodbye to, um, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I mean, I feel for companies that 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 uh, go away uh, because that's somebody's dream. Uh, those right. are people that need to feed their families. And so in that way, then I really respect and, and I want to honor uh, what they were uh, going after. But guess what happens when Blipper and Meta and ODG are no longer? That means a ton of amazing talent is then going right. to go back into the augmented reality space and, and guess what? Those companies like Blipper, they were around since like Layer, like, you know, 2009, mm-hmm. like 10 years of experience uh, that was in that house now being unleashed to uh, be used with other startups to create new startups at a brand new time where it's getting better and better and the timing is getting more right. I mm-hmm. think we should be very optimistic as we head into 2019 because of that. And also, listen, uh, the fact that uh, some of the larger pioneers are saying goodbye, yes, like you said, means that new ones are coming, but it also is a sick signal that the space is maturing. Right. And I think that is also uh, uh, something that bodes well for augmented reality. Yeah, fair enough. That's a man. That's a nice, almost philosophical way of like, you know, you need death so that the uh, <laughs> particles, the your atoms are go back into the ground and then create new humans. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I guess final final thoughts and maybe advice for developers. Like what what do you think people Maybe it's a bad question to ask. Like, what would you like to see for companies mm-hmm. to be pitching you? Because perhaps that's a very bad way of approaching it. But what what are some gaps that you're seeing? So I want to talk to developers and I want to talk to creators. And in some ways, maybe their developers are creators and vice versa. But um, I guess to that entire community, the developers and the creators is uh, to continue to push the limits uh, to show us. Uh, what augmented reality is capable of to not just uh, lay on your laurels, look to the past paradigm and take uh, what is there and and push it into the 3D space, but to completely reinvent the box uh, to like break the wheel, like Khaleesi would say from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, you know, um, what is PowerPoint and AR? What is, you know, Facebook and AR? What is social networking? What is communicating? What is what does falling in love look like? Um, how do you tell stories? Um, you know, how do you make life better? How do you make work better? Um, these are like the big, big uh, opportunities within augmented reality. It's very much just like the beginning of dot com in some ways. Uh, and I would also say like, um, don't just stop at sight. You know, um, the, this this mm. journey that we're on, um, there there are many different senses that can be employed. Uh, haptics, uh, sound, especially uh, spatial audio. Um, and so uh, feel free to uh, break out of just having to put, you know, floating stickers in space or even anchor characters. Um, there's much more work to be done than that. Um, so have fun. And also, more importantly, if you're looking for VC money, uh, make sure that there is a business in there, uh, because once you take that mm. check, you're going to you're going to have some milestones that you're going to need to meet in order to be successful. Yeah, th- something people think, you know, VC money is just, hey, we got money now. Let's do let's keep doing what we want to do. Yeah. Um, it's also funny when when you ask this to investors, like the use cases that they 
talk about or or some one of the ones that you mentioned, you know, PowerPoint and AR, it's almost like comedians always talking about, you know, airplane food because they're always on airplanes going to their next gigs. Like <laughs> investors are always talking about PowerPoint and AR because they're always <laughs> being pitched with yeah. decks. <laughs> um, that's, that's true. Well, Tom, um, actually, is AWE, the Augmented World Expo, conference coming up is it that is. something you want to plug for yeah well thank you here? i appreciate that guess what we're turning 10 years awe in the wow. usa and so awe is uh you know the world's number one ar vr conference and expo it's happening in santa clara may 29th to um the 31st uh we're going to be bigger and better uh 7, people three days over 300 speakers 300 exhibitors our big playground which is our experience right. center is back so if you're interested in this space, uh, it's a great place to come uh, meet the community, meet the creators, the developers, the investors, the, the executives that are uh, curious and that are making this space happen. So I, I uh, definitely encourage you to go to awe2019.com to check it out. Absolutely. I most likely will be there. I was there last year and I think the year before. And on the enterprise side, like so much of AR in enterprise, it goes unnoticed or at least um, is unheard of on the, if, unless you're actually involved in these kind of deals. And I, you see so much of it at AWE. I'm, I'm excited to go and just look at the latest, like in waveguide technology and all these yeah. places. So it's <laughs> awesome. great stuff. Tom, That's how awesome. can people find you and find out more about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm always there. Tom Emmerich is right. uh, where I am. Awesome. And you can find the research VR, research VR podcast on Twitter at research VR cast and send us your thoughts and find us on discord as well um, where we have our post episode discussions and guest suggestions and topics and whatnot so thank you tom again for joining thank us you. today thank you thank right. you and thank you all for listening and thank you haptics for sponsoring another episode of the research vr podcast if you are a developer and you are interested in haptic feedback and you want to help develop one of the most interesting products in haptic feedback in vr Check out Haptex's careers page at haptex.com careers. They have a number of open positions that they're trying to fill in. So many of you listeners I know have the right skills and talent for jobs like this. So check them out and thank you again for listening. Goodbye.